this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. We have used multiple metaphors to talk about the overflowing love and life of Jesus Christ, right? Very first week we talked about living water and we had the whole dry ice thing coming out of the well. Do you remember that? Living water of Jesus and how it overflows from us out of that relationship with Jesus onto the world around us. The second week, we talked about how he is the vine and we are the branches bearing fruit and we have to be connected to him. It said, remain in me and I will remain in you, right? I felt like I was mixing a whole lot of metaphors last week, but today I have another one. (laughs) Are you ready? I have yet another metaphor to talk about today and that is the light. But first, I have still been struggling with this concept, not struggling, but wrestling with, I just don't feel quite done with the concept of the wellspring. I've been saying to Aaron over this past couple of weeks of this series, like, I just feel like a lot of us Christians need to get saved again. We just forgot what it actually means to be saved. I, I, Aaron and I have been through so much the past few years. You know, many of you know the stories of everything that we've gone through. And, and I really thought 2020 was our year. I thought there would be laughter at that for sure. Because 2020 wasn't anyone's year, right? Maybe Zoom, like the company, but like that's it. Just It just wasn't anyone's year. And I, I felt in a lot of ways lost through that last year. I know so many of us were there, had so many conversations of just, what are we even doing? Like this year is just, it shook everything up. It was just absolutely crazy. And I, I really thought like we have already been to hell and back. Like we've already gone through a thing or two. And then 2020 hits us again. But this is why this concept, this wellspring concept is so important to me. Because I had to dig deeper last year. So many of us had to dig deeper than ever last year. And we came out on the other side stronger than ever. More flowing than ever. Now there were a lot of people who didn't. Right? We, we fill our wells, just the metaphor that I used the first week, right? We're trying to fill our well and pour it in, fill these buckets, pouring them in to the well instead of allowing it to flow from within us. And people that didn't get that concept before 2020 had a really hard time in 2020. I really want us to get this. I want this so badly for us. I, I've been a Christian all my life. My parents like to tell the story of my first prayer when I was three years old. Jesus, I love you in my heart. Amen. Literally been a Christian. (laughs) If you can count that prayer for 30 years. All my life. But there have still definitely been times when the well wasn't flowing from me. When the living water didn't come from within me. When, When I came into the presence of God to take something. Not to give something. I I think a lot of us in church were takers. I know it sounds harsh to hear it said like that, but we come into the church to take something. We're here to get something from God and then to leave. I think that was me. 
for a lot of years and just being a Christian. I was going through the motions and going to God and saying, God, what can you give me today? What can I get from you today? This, this wellspring concept is the exact opposite. It flows out of us. Jesus is already within us. If he never gives us another thing in this life, he has already done enough. It flows from within, out of us, onto the people around us. We don't come into church to be a taker. I'm sure we get things in the presence of God. Absolutely. Right? Peace that passes all understanding. Joy, unspeakable. Right? Strength in the middle of the storm, not in the absence of it. We get all of those things in the presence of God 100%. But I come into the presence of God. I come into the church, his house, to give something out of the overflow. Jeremiah 2, 13. Help me see this concept. And again, I'm, I'm struggling with this concept all week. I'm like, God, but why do we forget? Right? I feel like new Christians know this better than anyone. When you first see someone get saved, they're bubbling, right? They're, it's flowing out of them. It is living water all over the place, and they're splashing it in all kinds of places. It's a little messy sometimes, but it's there. Somewhere along the line, we forget. And I kept saying, God, how do we, how do we keep forgetting? And how do I keep myself from getting there? Jeremiah 2.13 is something I stumbled on this week. I didn't know this verse existed before this series. It says, for my people, my people, for my people have done two evil things. This isn't talking about outsiders. Like God's not talking about the world or non-Israelites in this case, in the Old Testament. My people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Why do we do this? Why have we been doing this for 2,600, 700 years? <laughs> Thousands of years we've been abandoning the fountain of living water, God's people, us. We walk away from it. We have living water at our fingertips and we forget. We walk away and we start digging our own wells. It doesn't work that way. And I just felt like God answered that wrestling. I wrestle with the word. I talked about this a lot my first year of preaching. I just have to wrestle with it. I have to ask God a million times, why? Why is it written this way? Why did you include this in the word? Why did this character do this thing? Why? And I felt like God finally answered, and he said two things. We buy into two separate lies that the enemy spreads, but we buy into it. We don't have to listen to it. We buy into it. Number one, we are inherently good people. Lie number one. We're inherently good people. I'm a good person if I do X, Y, and Z, right? Aaron and I were talking to, to somebody lately, and they said, they're telling us about a terrible thing they had done years ago, and just, I can't believe I did that. I, I'm not that person. Um, but you are, though. <laughs> I had to say that, and it sounds super harsh, but you, you are that person, though. You did those things. You are that person. Right? Until you own that you are that person, how are you going to get better from it? How are you going to move on from there? We are inherently selfish people. We are born into sin. That's the world we live in. It's a fallen world. We are that person without Jesus. 
Never forget that. The gospel requires that you remember that, actually. I am not inherently good on my own. I have to remember how thirsty for truth I am. How parched and and starving and aching and, and how I'm barely surviving on my own. I can't do it on my own. Right? I've tried. It never works out well. Jesus said no one is good. Not one is good but the Father, he said. Not one. No one but the Father. We aren't good people on our own. We're selfish. That is our natural inclination. That is our sinful nature. It doesn't mean you have to dwell on it. It doesn't mean you have to beat yourself up about it. It doesn't mean you stay there. But you have to remember, this is who I was before Jesus. And when we buy into the lie that we are actually good people, then what what do we need Jesus for? We start to get prideful. We start to think, I got this, right? I'm going to make my own decisions instead of going to God about them. It's a dangerous place to be. And this is why it's important to be able to tell your own story, to know your testimony, right? That sounds like a big churchy word to especially new people around church. Like, what's a, what's a testimony? I don't, I don't have one of those. A testimony is just your story. Who were you before Jesus? What made you come to him? And who are you now because of him? That's all it is. There's a testimony builder article in the sermon notes if you really want to know more about how to write your own testimony. I encourage every single believer to have a story. And I used to think I didn't have a story. I told you when my first prayer was, right? Three years old. I never really had a, a period of my life where I walked away from it. There was no, like, rebellious pastor kid phase <laughs> in my life. Um, I just, I always believed and tried to live my life according to God's word, but there were definitely times when I felt far from him or definite experiences that I felt closer to him where he changed my life. And I know who I would be today without him. 100%. In fact, I don't think church kids get an excuse. We don't, I don't, I don't have a testimony. I wasn't the biggest drug dealer in Hanover and now I'm saved we had that story here at Freedom Valley for a while. The biggest drug dealer in Hanover got saved and turned his life around. And it was a popular story. And I'm, I was thinking, I don't have a story like that. I don't have, like, bullet holes from my gang days. Like, <laughs> how am I going to bring anybody to Jesus? I can't relate to anything like that. But I have so many testimonies. Right? And I started to realize over time, me having the life that I have is a testimony in and of itself to the godly people that raised me, right? Generations of Christians in my family. I'm enjoying the blessings of their relationship with Jesus. That is a testimony in and of itself. The fact that Aaron and I had a, a godly relationship, right? We enjoy so much trust and just a depth of relationship in our lives. I don't think we would have gotten otherwise. There are so many tests. I tell the story all the time of how shy and scared and socially anxious I was before knowing the word, knowing what the word said about me and applying it to my life. And here I am today preaching in a room full of people. In fact, I have to sometimes get myself a little pumped up because I don't get nervous anymore. Right? That's God. All God. 100%. The word of God. 
So many testimonies. You have to have one. You have to know yours. Right? The Bible says always be ready with an answer. There's someone who, who is questioning why you believe what you believe. Don't forget who you were before Jesus because we get distracted. We get so distracted when we get comfortable, when we get proud. Right? And that's the first lie. I am inherently a good person. A second lie is that I'm too messed up for God to love me. It's actually the, the exact opposite of the first. If Satan can't get you to believe that you're inherently a good person and you don't need Jesus, he'll get you to believe that you're too bad for God to love you. Right? And so you walk away because God could never accept me. God could never love me. You don't know what I've done. Actually, God does know what you've done and forgiveness isn't earned. It is given. It's a gift. Going back to the first week of the wellspring, right? It is a gift. All you have to do is reach out and take it. The Christian life really is meant to be simple. Not easy, but simple. Love God. Love people. It's, it's more than just a mantra written on church walls. It really is that simple. It's a discipline. It's a practice. Serve God. Serve people. And yes, there's a lot of servanthood in that. We are meant to be slaves to Christ. We don't get to do what we want all of the time. Slaves do what their masters tell them. We have voluntarily become slaves of Jesus Christ. And when we forget that, we get distracted. We get prideful and we start buying into the lies. And we go digging our own cisterns, trying to fill our own wells. It doesn't work that way. He's already done that for us. If we go start doing that, we're no different than the world. God's people are no different than the world. We're meant to be different. Jesus has called us to be different, just like he did with the Israelites thousands of years ago. He's still calling us to be different today. We don't have to buy into those lies. We get to live free, knowing who we are without Jesus, but also knowing that his grace applies we get to walk in freedom because of what he's done, not because of anything we've done or haven't done. Because of what he did. And we've been called to be different. Matthew 5, 13 says, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. We're not called to walk around in the dumps. How you doing today? I'm here. I'm good, I guess. I'm, you know, existing. Got through another day. We're called to bring the flavor to the earth again. right? We're, we're, we're called to bring the life back to it, to let the living water of Jesus flow. We're not called to hate everything about life, to be judgmental and, and unkind and tell everyone how they're going to hell in a handbasket all the time. I know a lot of Christians who have nothing but bad things to say about our world right now. Don't get me wrong, there's bad things happening, but we're called to tell the good news, not the bad news. The good news. It is good news. And the darker the world gets, the brighter our light shines. So... <laughs> We're called to bring the good news. We're called to be fun. 
called to love one another, to enjoy each other. I love that Jesus' first miracle was providing wine at a wedding where everyone was already drunk. (laughs) You can pull all kinds of theology out of that that you want, but I believe the bottom line is Jesus loved life. He loved people. He had fun at a wedding with his family, celebrating two people coming together and having fun together. He joined in on that. He didn't sit in the corner and judge everyone. He provided more wine. (laughs) I just love that about him. I think he loved children for the same reason. Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. That world saw children as a nuisance. He didn't. He loved them. Let them come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I think he went to the parties for the same reason. The Pharisees were always getting on him about going, hanging out with the sinners. That's where the fun was. That's where the life was. It's not like he joined in on all the sin. He just loved them where they were, having fun with them. I think he sat on the hillsides with people for that same reason. He loved people genuinely. Not just in a I forgive your sins kind of way. He genuinely loved them. I think he was a fun guy to be around. And I don't think these were just features of his ministry. Right? As something he did to gain a following. I think it was just who he was. Who he is. He genuinely loves us. He didn't just come to give us life, but life abundantly. And it was in everything he did. It worked its way through into every single thing he did. It, it drove him. Salt is so beneficial because it's pretty much good on everything. I love salt. Some people who don't. Don't give Jason salt. Just a warning. He has a weird sneezing fit. It's very weird. Just saying. I love salt, but it, it brings out the flavor in almost everything, right? It's, that's its purpose. We are meant to bring the flavor to this life. Yes, we have to suffer sometimes for Jesus, but we also get to live free, we get to experience the joy of our salvation. We're, we're free from the entanglements that come along with selfishness. We get to see life for the abundance that it already has. It's already full, beautiful, vibrant. We get to see it as believers. We bring glory to the Father by enjoying the life that he gave us, and we get to give that life to others. The next verse in Matthew 5 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then hides it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It's a pretty common verse, right? It's one that we probably all know or kind of know. We're meant to be the salt and the light. But I think in a lot of ways, we do this halfway as Christians, We're very focused on where to put the lamp. We have to put it up on the hill. We can't hide our message like, like, let's go to this outreach in the community or let's put up this sign saying Jesus loves you. But 
Is that what Jesus meant by being the light? Focusing on where, where to put the light? We focus on the location of the lamp. We forget to actually plug it in. No one lights a lamp and then hides it. We're all making sure we have the right location for the lamp, but we, we forgot to plug it in. We forgot to spend more time with Jesus. Like spend 20 minutes in the morning reading the word, worshiping God, making a, a list of all the things he's done in your life, thanking him for those things. And I bet you'll go through your day looking at things a little bit differently. Like looking for people to bless instead of taking things from people, grumbling that they didn't give you the right environment for work this week, or they didn't give you the right pats on the back, or, or they didn't give you the, the fulfillment you needed from your marriage, or whatever it is. You get that from spending time with Jesus, and you overflow onto others. We're, we're mixing up the order. Do you really need that extra hour of Netflix at night? Just, just saying. It got really quiet in here. Or would that extra, instead of that extra episode, would the time be better spent just reading a chapter of the Bible and praying about it? Right? Do we really need to play Animal Crossing for the 100th time? I saw some smirks. <laughs> Or would 99 cut it? I'm just saying. <laughs> Wouldn't that 20 minutes of your day be better spent reading a chapter of the word? Asking God what it means. Writing a prayer in a journal. Right? Having quiet time and thanking him for some things. Isn't that what a true disciple would do? We talked last week about true disciples. Jesus said, my disciples produce fruit. We're not takers, we're givers. We take the little seed that God gives us and we produce more. See what I mean about mixing metaphors? So we're on our third. They're just going to come out at this point. Or again, are we true disciples or are we just someone that believes that Jesus exists? There's a lot of Christians out there that just believe that he probably, yeah, he, he existed. I believe in him. We're not doing anything with that. We're not producing fruit Right? We're not true disciples, we just believe. You know, instead, instead of spending that extra time in the Word, we lay down our heads at night and we think, well, I did a good deed today. Was that enough, Jesus? Am, am I good enough? But again, you will never be good enough. It, that's, you're focused on the wrong thing. You're focused on filling your bucket. It's not about that. You can't do enough good deeds on planet Earth to earn God's forgiveness. Jesus came to give it to you, to fill your well for you. Plant himself deep down in your soul and let it flow out. We are missing the point. We're missing the point. I think a lot of Christians need to get saved again. A lot of us, we need to remember the true gospel message. We're never going to show the world Jesus when we're trying to do this on our own. Verse says, no one puts a lamp under a basket. But honestly, I think a lot of us, we're putting our lamps up for the world to see. But all they see is a lamp without electricity. What's the point of a broken lamp? 
What's the point of a candle with no flame? In Jesus' day, a lamp had a flame, <laughs> not electricity. <laughs> well, what is the point? We haven't plugged into Jesus. We're like useless, broken lamps. When it gets dark, no one turns to us because we haven't plugged into the source of the light. We need to pour out of the overflow. Right? We're the lamps hanging out with our plugs, but haven't actually plugged in. He's the electricity. Jesus. We're the lamps. All we have to do is plug in to him. And then we overflow. Look, I think we tend to focus on the showing off our lamp part of this verse. When we should be focused on the plugging in, we should be shining wells. Right? The, the water flows out of us. The, the fruit flows out, shining for the world to see. If we don't plug it in. Nobody goes through all of the work of putting up Christmas lights and then not plugging them in. Right? What's, what's the point of that? You wouldn't do that. So why are we focused on where to put the lamp and not how to plug in to Jesus? We become lights through him. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see that the disciples go through this transformation. After Jesus ascends back to heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit. And suddenly the guy who was denying Jesus three times, even though he fully believed in him, or at least he said so a million times, he still denied him out of fear. Now that same guy, Peter, is, is proclaiming in the streets through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was plugged in. Now he's powerful. He's empowered. Go into the world and preach the news. I stop focusing on, on where you put the message, what you, you post on Facebook, or, or you know how you can put signs in your yard that say who Jesus is and start being the light. Plug yourself in to him. Focus on that, and I guarantee you, it will come naturally. Going into all the world, preaching the good news will come naturally when we plug ourselves in. You are the light of the world. The kingdom of God does not advance when we consume the gospel. The kingdom of God advances when we contribute. When we plug ourselves in shine bright for the world to see. Don't let it stop with you. Plug in your lamp. You are the light of the world. You can make a difference. What if church wasn't ever meant to be this disciple-making hub where, where it all happens, but rather a tool in the disciple-maker's arsenal? That is... Uh, we as Christians, if believers would stop bringing people to the pastor to get discipled and do the discipling in their living rooms, right? Start pastoring people themselves. We are meant to be a kingdom of priests, not one priest and a bunch of people. We're all priests in God's kingdom, anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us should be out there pastoring people. The pastor is not the disciple maker that you all serve, but the, the pastor is the one serving the disciple makers. Right? That, that's my job description according to Ephesians 4, 
11 right now. These are the gifts God gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibilities to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to tell you, you're disciple makers. You should be overflowing out of your wellspring, out of that time spent with Jesus every day onto the world around you. And it is not a, a once plugged in, always plugged in situation. Plug in every day. I, we're not talking about all of you getting up here and preaching. We're not talking about the big flashy gifts. We're not talking about everybody being a disciple or a evangelist, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher. You don't have to spend lots of money to do this, right? Some of these, they're great. They're gifts to the church, and you are the church. Each and every one of you is a disciple maker. We're talking about overflowing in everyday life, right? Complimenting people behind their backs instead of gossiping about them. Right, where we're talking about serving your coworkers instead of asking them to serve you all the time. We're talking about being a faithful friend, not just praying for you, but doing something to help. I, I was helping a friend recently through a difficult situation and I broke down with her. We were just texting back and forth, but I was just crying with her. I felt like if somebody walks in right now, they're going to think I'm crying over something I am heartbroken about. I'm not crying my tears. I'm crying someone else's tears. Pastors do that. We cry other people's tears. Disciple makers do that. We're called to sit with those who are weeping. Weep with those who weep. Jesus did it. He modeled it for us. Knowing what he knows about eternity and the universe, he still wept with his friends. Knowing that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he still wept with his family. Cry other people's tears. Sit with them in grief. I'm not talking about you always have to be the life of the party, but love people genuinely. I read a WGAL article lately about two guys who showed up at a hospital parking lot during a snowstorm and just cleared off cars of the doctors and nurses. If that's not overflowing, right? Look for ways to care for people, to love people. Easy as shoveling a driveway right now in this crazy February. Talking to people about Jesus what he's done and and we get hung up on like I need to know more before I can talk to people about Jesus like what if they have questions you will never know enough to be fully confident in that I guarantee you I still get questions I don't know the answer to and guess what it's okay like, I don't let's look it up I'll help you look right all I can tell you is what he's done in my life I know that to be true because I've lived it he's changed me I'm a different person today because of what he has done. And I'm not going back. I've tried the other ways the world has. I'm not doing it. He's the only way. And like Jesus said, that first week of the wellspring we read, he said, if you only knew the gift God has for you, 
If you only knew the gifts God has for you, you'd be asking me for water and I would give you living water. We have a gift. We have a gift. This isn't works-based salvation. I'm not saying you have to go in and do all these good deeds. I'm saying maybe just show up for people. Celebrate life with them. Go to the birthday parties and the weddings and don't sit in judgment in the corner, but love people. Not works-based salvation. We're not earning salvation here. It's salvation-based works. It's overflowing out of the love within us onto the people around us. Faith without works is dead. It is both. The kingdom of God is not usually this or that. It's this and that. It's not just faith or works, right? It's not truth or love. Speak the truth in love. It's not this or that. It's this and that. Good theology is usually found in the middle. Johannes told me that once. This does not mean that you're you're chasing that next high. You're, You're... chasing that next party, that next relationship. It doesn't mean you go around worshiping the fun. It means that you are the light of the world. You bring the light with you into every situation. You allow it to shine out of you. The darker the world gets, the brighter our light shines. If you've spent time plugging into Jesus and you can go around showing that love to others, you are not a victim, Freedom Valley. The world may have tried to beat us up this past year, but we are more than conquerors, right? We are not victims. We are set free. We are powerful beings made in God's image on this planet, and we are even more powerful with God inside of us. It is our job to go into the world, preach the good news, and set free the captives to enjoy life and live it to the fullest, to tap into that electricity and watch God work in your life. You have no idea yet what God is capable of through you. Don't forget, tap into the wellspring. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word. Thank you that it's useful to teach us, to correct us, to guide us into all truth. Father, today, my prayer for Freedom Valley is that we would tap into this word like never before. Those of us who need to remember the true gospel message, that we'd be able to go into the world and preach the good news, set free the captives, that we would delight in telling people our testimony, our story of who Jesus is, the the difference that he has made in our lives. That it would be our favorite thing to share miracle stories, salvation stories, that each and every one of us would begin to look at our neighborhoods like mission fields. Who can I share the good news with today? Not coming into the house of God being takers all the time, but giving giving into it, giving into our world. We are meant to be the salt of the earth, the light in the world, the fruit on the branches and have the living water of Jesus flow out of us. If you would say today, I've, I'm one of those people that needs to get saved again or, or maybe for the first time. I'm one of those people that just, I want to give my life to Jesus. I've done it my way for a long time and I know it's not working. I need Jesus. 
I want to make him the Lord of my life. I want to be set free. I want to have purpose on this earth. Just raise your hand right where you are. Amen. Hands all over the place. People getting free. Believers, that should pump you up. Right? That is the mission. Seeing people set free by the power of Jesus. Finding their purpose on planet earth. I'm moving into that like never before. That's my prayer for you today, Freedom Valley. God, shower us with your purpose like never before, with the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. 